You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. All right. Uh, we are going to start in the book of Colossians tonight, and then we are going to quickly move over to the book of Ephesians. So, um, we're going to start in Colossians, which is where we've been. Then we're going to go to the book of, of Ephesians. And Colossians and Ephesians parallel quite a bit. And so we are going to continue this preaching on the home. I, I love the fact that the Word of God addresses the home, aren't you? Uh, I'm glad that it addresses where we live every day. And this is another situation of that. Uh, Last week we looked at the first part of this message, tonight we uh, will look at the second part of the message, and that is the, the thought that I want to preach on tonight is, husbands, give your life for your wife. I look over here and I don't see too many husbands right sitting here, I appreciate the teens, but there'll be some good other lessons in here, amen, uh, as well. Husbands, give your life for your wife. Now let's look here in Colossians chapter number 3. And verse number 19, Colossians 3, 19, where the Bible says, Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. And uh, we'll probably come back to that be not bitter against them part, but husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Now, over to the book of Ephesians, chapter number 5. And again, we talked about this last week, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time explaining the, the message of verses, verses 22 and 23 as much, but the Bible says in verse uh, 23, we'll just start there. Well, no, we'll start with 22. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Last week, we looked at the, we, we used the parallel of a team. We were talking about the, you know, the, the, the subject part sounding like one thing and again, Many of us, really, we didn't grow up with the model of what it meant to be a godly, seeing a godly uh, husband and a godly uh, mom, perhaps. We may have had great parents in many other ways, but maybe they weren't necessarily modeling, and maybe they were modeling some of this, but it just wasn't in the same terminology. But regardless of that, we have the opportunity to learn from the Word of God. I, I know, at least for my wife and I, we, as young people, Man, I thank God for our parents. Don't misunderstand me. I would never want to dishonor their memories in any way, but I think they would admit that they, uh, you know, that they didn't know the Lord when they were raising us, and they were making a lot of decisions that definitely weren't lining up with the Word of God in the way they did. Um, and so when my wife and I got married, we were determined to say, you know what, it was this way in our home, but we wanted to, when, uh, growing up, but we want it to be this way. We want it to be the way God says for it to be. We started looking, as teenagers, we were looking at godly role models, and we were saying, okay, this is, this is the kind of man I want to be. This is the kind of woman she wants to be. And we looked in the Word of God and looked at these godly examples. Um, but the, but the, the point is just simply 
that there's an order that God has. And, you know, again, just like the, just like the word uh, subject, the, the, the head part is another thing that bothers, peop- bothers people. Bothers people. Uh, but again, it goes back, I believe it's explained in last week's message, so I'm not going to belabor that point. But the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ. And that's important. The head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man. And the head of Christ is God. Now, headship is simply the governing authority. It's it's governing authority in a responsible way. It's God, once again, going back to last week's analogy, it's God giving the husband the ball as the point guard, so to speak, and running the play that the coach says to run, and the wife saying, okay, let's follow God, let's run this play. Again, just going to last week's uh, analogy or whatever you would say. Uh, But uh, that's the idea. But it's governing authority in a responsible way. It's an authority that comes with the responsibility. So the responsibility that a man has is to pursue that which advances God's purposes to provide, protect, and to lead and be a blessing. Now, the responsibility is one of the key words in this whole role. And it's, it's one of the whole deals when it comes to or, the order and the alignment that God has. Responsibility is a big part of that. Last week, without explaining a whole lot about it, I said one part of headship means for that, that a wife can duck out of the way so God can hit her husband, right, uh, so to speak. Uh, but, but it's the idea, just remember, going all the way back to the Garden of Eden, Eve took of the fruit. Nothing necessarily happened in that moment as far as what we read. Adam took of the fruit, God showed up. God showed up and said, Adam, where are you? Not Adam, Eve, I want both of y'all over here right now. He said, Adam, there's something going on in your home that I need to talk to you about. So that's kind of the idea. There's a responsibility there. Um, So in that instance, you could say as husbands, see, husband is not just a title. Husband is a position. And when it comes to this, this idea, we may not be to blame. I mean, Adam was to blame, we know, because he did also willingly partake of the fruit. But he wasn't to blame for Eve taking of the fruit, but he was still responsible. And so that's why he had to answer when he took of the fruit. He was responsible. Now, this headship that he begins talking about there in, in Ephesians is to be exercised, and here's the important part, in the context of love. Husbands, love your wives. As it says in Colossians. Ephesians 5.25, Husbands, love your wives even as Christ loved the church. And that's going to be what I I want you just to be thinking about tonight. Even as Christ loved the church. And that's why I entitled the message, the Bible says, I love the church and gave himself for it. Husbands, give your life for your wife. That's the challenge that we have as husbands. It's, a, it's, it's pretty daunting because he is telling us that in the way Jesus loved the church, and the church is made up of all of us, the church is made up of sinners. The church is made up uh, for, for people who weren't interested in Jesus Christ, but he loved us anyway. Uh, 
He did not, Jesus did not love us based on our merit. Jesus did not love us for what he was going to get out of it. He loved us because he loved us. He loves us unconditionally. And the whole passage, the interesting thing is, and the challenge as well, if you will, look at the very last, or the, look at verse 32, actually, the next to the last verse of Ephesians 6. The Bible says, This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. So all this husband and wife stuff he's talking about here, just like I tried to use basketball as an analogy last week, God's using a husband and a wife as an example of what the church and Christ are supposed to be. That's what this whole thing is about. But in the process of that, we are learning what a husband and wife are supposed to be and how the home is supposed to look. Now, as we continue on, you think about this. This is a loving authority. The context of love is the position that a man leads with in his home. Now, love not as defined by emotional feeling. Super important there, right? Love, I'm, I'm glad for emotional feelings. You know, I, I, I had the, 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 the deal, I guess, uh, not I guess, I know I did, uh, but when I saw Melanie for the first time, let me tell you, man, I'm like, oh, yeah. And she was like, mm, no. Uh, but that's the story. That's part of the story I'll get to in a minute. Uh, <laughs> she's excited about that, I'm sure. But, uh, but the fact of the matter is, man, it is great when you're like, oh, my gosh, I just I get around her and my heart beats and, and you know, and, and, all, and I get whatever. I just, oh, I'm getting so excited and I got these feelings. But, folks, I'm, I like all that stuff. But the fact of the matter is, love is not, is not, biblical love is not emotionally based. Biblical love is decision based. Biblical love is a love that passionately, righteously, and sacrificially pursues the well-being of another. Uh, so we, we talk about this, before I move too, on too far from looking at what we call love versus biblical love, the problem with that kind of love, you ever hear about people falling in and out of love all the time? Don't think I love them anymore. What's that mean? I'm not getting anything out of this. Don't think I love her anymore. What's that mean? Not getting what I wanted out of this. That's not what's being talked about here. Uh, and there's a problem with that because that's how we use love. I would, I would dare say most of the time we use the word love, we say that, at least in our society. Uh, I mean, what do you love? Anybody love football? I mean, I mean, anybody love steak? You know? All right, come on now. Uh, I'm, finally, I've been trying to get that out of somebody. Uh, but, but no, I mean, think about, anybody love their truck? No? Barb, you love your truck? I think you love your truck. I love my truck. Uh, I, I mean, you, but here, the point is, is that we love it because what it, we get out of it. And, the prop, and that's all well and good. But the problem is, is that's what's going to come into too many of our homes, too many of our relationships. What am I, that is not love, people. It is unconditional. It is, it is passionately, righteously, sacrificially pursuing the well-being of someone else. We are to love even when the emotions aren't there. Love starts with the decision. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. It's a decision. It's action. His willingness to sacrifice for our well-being. 
That expressed the love of God. Jesus sacrificed His life. He died for the church. And this is how love is expressed. So Jesus, the way, the way it describes what Jesus did for us, that men, we are to parallel as husbands, is Jesus loved us sacrificially. He loves us sacrificially. He loves us in, in, in terms of sanctification. In other words, Jesus Christ, not only did He save us and He died for our sins, hey, but aren't you glad? Now, how many of you had it all together when Jesus saved you? Anybody? Deidre did. Uh, you had it all together when Jesus saved you. Uh, none of us were that way. Jesus sacrificed for us, not because He didn't care. Listen. He, Jesus can take an absolute mess, the worst person you know, the worst thing that's ever been done, hallelujah, He'll forgive you. He will save you. And I'm so glad that He does not say, I don't know, if you get, you work on yourself a little while, and then maybe I'll save you. He doesn't say that. He says, I'm going to save you just like you are. Just like you are. That's one of the reasons why one of the, one, one of the most famous hymns, is, at least in Bible preaching churches through the years, to close the service with and, and invite people to come to the altar is just as I am. Without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. God will take you just like you are. But, the, but, but here's the thing. God has a purpose for you. He's got a plan for you. And so he begins a sanctifying work. He begins to, to work on you and set you apart and, and transform you into the person that He saved you to be. Jesus loves us as Savior. Jesus loves us as Sanctifier. Jesus loves us as Satisfier. Jesus wants to bless us. Jesus wants to give us life abundantly. Okay, husbands? That's your job as well. That's my job as well. <laughs> so, let's look at the role when we think about the Savior. Jesus Christ loved the church to death. He loved the church to death. Love came in the shape of a cross. See, in order to save us, Jesus first had to die for us. And husbands, here's the example for us. We have to die to some things. The Bible says as Christians that we all have to die to the old life, the old man. We've, we preached about that already in the book of Colossians. But we have to die to some things. And, and, and just keep that in mind because I'm going to say a couple things about that, but I'll probably allude back to this sacrifice, this death, as we go through the service. The service. Uh, uh, a couple that I wrote down right away is that we need to die to being so needy as husbands. We need to die as being so needy. And, and here's what I mean by that. <laughs> now, wives, you listen because there's a part you can help us out with, okay? But have you ever heard that every man is really a 10-year-old really really boy? All right? And a man has a hard time. So, so what's, what's, what's a 10-year-old boy doing? I mean, he's in fifth grade. He's, you know, I can, remember, I can remember making, we used to make mom's ashtrays, by the way, kids, when we were in school. But I remember we made, I made my mama a clay ashtray uh, in school. Dyed it green. What, what's that, Melanie? 
Well, maybe it's just North Carolina. Uh, but, uh, but, but, you know, we, 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 bring, we bring that, that uh, ashtray. And, I, and, and what am I doing? Here, Mama, here's the ashtray. What am I waiting on? Ooh, boy. I like that ashtray. I can't wait to put my cigarettes out in that sucker, you know. Oh, thank you, Mama. I feel great. I mean, you know, just, you know, little boys running in the house. Mama, Mama, look what I got. Look what I did. They want Mama to say, oh, ain't that something. All right? Husbands, wives, you know your man's like that. Did you see I did the dishes, honey? Did you see I picked my socks up out of the floor? Did you see that, Mama? Um, I mowed the lawn. Oh, that, you see? I mean, but I'm just saying, there's some things, though, husbands, Man, you got to die to that. Because let me tell you something. I, I'll go ahead and tell you. Colossians says, be not bitter against them. It's not telling you necessarily, the, the message isn't entirely saying don't get bitter at your wife. It's saying don't, be, don't put bitterness, don't, make, don't push your wife to bitterness. Don't exasperate her. Yes, honey, I saw that you worked for me today. Thank you. Uh, don't be so needy. We got to die to some things. And now that may not be the best one to start with, but it's just one that came to mind. You know why? Because that's me. <laughs> and I've got to try to learn to die to it. All right? Uh, honey, did you see what I did? Uh, I mean, so anyway. So that's some. We have to die to some things. Uh, we have to die to looking for affirmation all the time. We have to die to self-interest. We have to die to our comfort zone. And, and, and a lot of these will come into play throughout the message because... God challenges us to, I don't know what, what about sacrifice sounds like comfort to you, and what about dying for someone sounds comfortable to you, but husbands, it's not about us being comfortable. Well, I'm not, you know, I, I know that my wife would like to, for me to compliment her more, and I know that my wife would like to, and, and wives, please do your, can I just circle back here, do your poor husband a favor, and every once in a while tell him good job. Hang his, hang his art on the refrigerator or something, you know. Just, do, just help the guy out. But, but on our end, husbands, we need to get where we don't need that. But, uh, but, but you just think about, you know, the, the example. You know what happened, don't you? I totally forgot what I was, where I was going because I interrupted myself. Comfort zone. You know that your wife really appreciates compliments. You know it. But I feel, preacher, I feel awkward giving compliments. It just feels weird. It feels a little contrite. I don't feel very sincere when I do it. Uh, uh, it's not comfortable. So what? Suck it up. Tell her how good she looks. Amen? I mean, t t tell her how good she cooks. Tell her, t tell her what you need to tell her. And, and uh, I mean, listen, that, that may not be your comfort zone, uh, but do it anyway. Um, I'm not really the most type. Well, that's fine. But... As a husband, we've got to sacrifice. We've got to try to say, you know what? I am going to invest. And so you'll see that this will develop. Men, you'll be excited to know this will kind of develop as the message goes on. But just remember that. We've got to die to our pride. She had not told me how good I've done in a while. I'll try not doing enough something for a while and see how she likes it. You know, we start playing these little prideful games. Uh, or whatever. Man, we, we, husbands... We are called to die 
to sacrifice, to die to some things. And we could probably list a hundred things. But, but, but again, keep that in mind as we go on. Um, oh, no, I want to make this point. Think about this. Jesus died for people when they were spitting in his, in his face. She hadn't cooked me nothing in a while. I'm not treating her right. Hey, th- this is a back and forth, and I'm not putting forth if she's not giving back. It's just not happening. Forget about that, man. You, you love her. You act as if. You treat her as if. She's doing everything that you could ever imagine and ever wanted a woman to do for you. You treat her as if she is doing that for you. Sacrifice. Now, that's easier said than done, but that's what he tells us to do. Sacrifice. Now, think about this. Why did we need a Savior? We were sinners. Women, you're sinners. <laughs> we're all sinners, okay? Uh, i got to be careful with the analogy. But it's God's analogy. We needed help. We needed to be delivered. And Jesus says, I'm going to deliver you. In other words, outside of Melanie, there's not a perfect woman. See what I did there? No, the fact, the, 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 believe, believe me, that this is no brownie points whatsoever, I promise you. Uh, she's, she's, anyway. Uh, but no, the fact of the matter is, is there's not a perfect woman. What is, honey? Uh, there is not a perfect woman uh, out there. And um, Jesus became our rescuer, our deliverer, because we need to be rescued from something. A man needs to be his wife's savior as Christ was the savior of the church. So, in other words, whatever it is, whatever baggage, whatever, I don't offend it, Stephanie, whatever else is going on, uh, whatever carries on, whatever hurts, whatever past, when you marry your wife, you marry it all. You get every bit of it, all right? And... uh, and so it is our job to help deliver her. And that's, that, that's where the sanctifying part. Look at verse number 26. The Bible says that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that it, might, that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. And that'll be the last point in just a moment. Verse 26 So first, Jesus saves us, but then He begins to transform us, to sanctify us, to set us apart as unique or special. Um, Now, this is an important thing to understand. Does any of y'all have, uh, anybody got, I don't know if anybody's got like china or something. The plates, you know that you bring out on uh, Thanksgiving or Christmas or some sort of special occasion. Uh, maybe you got silver. We got silver that was gifted to us uh, some time ago, so we use it every once in a while. But the point is, those things are sanctified. They're set apart. They're unique. You know, maybe you've got some kind of expensive figurine. Maybe you've got some kind of special antique. Maybe it's a, you ever know guys, I know some guys with a vintage car. I know some girls with a vintage car. It's special. That baby's going in the garage, right? That thing is not being driven if there's rain in the forecast and on and on. It's sanctified. It's valuable. It's set apart. And that's the spirit, by the way, of 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. 
where the Bible says, Likewise ye husbands dwell with them, your wives, according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as the weaker vessel. Giving honor unto the wife as the weaker vessel. Now, again, you could read that and say, you calling me weaker? That's like saying, that's like China complaining because you're not calling it the fake Sam's Club China, you know? See those plates now? Looks real, but it's plastic. That, that, that's like complaining that you're getting, you know, that's like the China complaining and said, I want to get mixed in with all the paper plates. Don't call me a weaker vessel. That's the message of the weaker vessel. It's special. It's valuable. It's unique. It means something. It's not like everything else. That's the idea of sanctification. The stuff that don't get mixed in with the common stuff. The purpose of sanctification is to take someone from where they are to where they need to be. When we got saved, Jesus started doing a work on us. Every one of us. He started doing a work on us. And I hope that, that if you're saved by the grace of God, I hope you're further down the trail now than you were when you got saved. I hope you're growing. If you are, that's the work of sanctification. Jesus doing a work in our lives. When we marry and when you marry a woman, you marry her history. When you marry a woman, you marry, if she's got insecurities, you marry her insecurities. You marry her brokenness. You marry her emotional issues. You marry every bit of it. Now, we may not have known the extent of these issues before we were married. But you certainly found out after you got married. Man, she is a fighter. You know? Well, she really flew off the handle there and never seen that, you know, or whatever. What is she crying about? I just said, can you pass the gravy or something, you know? Uh, can I have water? You saying my biscuits are dry? I mean, I don't know. But you get it all. Um, <laughs> am I treading in dangerous territory? Um, I'm just saying, you find out after you got married. Man, now you don't, you don't see the extent of it before you got married. Uh, but man, it is our responsibility... Uh, to, to sanctify her, to, 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 to help her grow through these things. Again, you may not have seen it, but you put a ring on it and she said, okay, game on, we're married now, you're going to see this side of me now. And the same thing with husbands, right? You get married, you're like, who is this person I just married? I've been dating this person for five years and all of a sudden I'm wondering, who is this? Um... That often happens. Uh, but, the, the, but the fact is, you know, and some men will say, man, if I had known the extent of this damage, I wouldn't ever married this woman. I wouldn't ever married this woman. But the problem is, you would have went and married another damaged woman because we're all damaged. All right? We all are damaged. Men, women, it doesn't matter. We all have some issues. Now, so, but it's your responsibility to rescue your wife from these things. It's our responsibility. We take the responsibility. Now, you say, how in the world am I supposed to do that? You're telling me to fix her? I'm not saying that we fix her that, because I'll get to that point in just a second. I, uh, that, but maybe I'm running out. But, but the thing I'm trying to say is that we love her unconditionally as Christ loved the church. 
And, and, and maybe, maybe there's some things that she's saying, maybe there's some things that she's doing that we don't understand her action. But we ask the Lord and say, Lord, I don't know what's behind that, but I pray you'll help me because I want to love her right through it. If there's an insecurity there where, there where she's having a hard time trusting me because of something in her past, Lord, help, I'm going to win her trust. And I'm going I'm I'm to deliver her from this insecurity. I'm going to let her know that she is all that and more. She may not have ever believed that, but Lord, if you'll help me, she's going to believe that before I'm done. You know, I mean, that's our responsibility. Uh, and, and we know there's some serious things that people go through. But by the grace of God, we, with the help of the Lord, we can be the sanctifier. The, listen, you think about this. The reason some of us are married is because of the way, the reason we got married is because of the way that we treated our wives before we got married. Now I'll let you teens in on a secret. Before some of us got married, I already let you in on mine. Before some of us got married, the woman that we married was just kind of like, um, no thank you. You know, I mean, some of our wives, I'll say some of your wives, might have thought you was ugly. You don't even look good. I mean, you know, Melanie, she didn't think I was ugly. I, you know what she thought? She, she thought I was a creep. It might have been because I was supposed to be dating her friend, but I was trying to flirt and pick her up all night. That might have had a lot to do with it. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it, it's like, but what, what happened? Why are you sitting there married today? Because you didn't stop. You didn't stop. The man just kept saying, you know what? I'm going to keep on. I'm going to keep on calling. I'm going to keep on texting. I'm going to keep on uh, letting her know. I'm going to keep telling her every chance I can. Man, you look nice. Man, you're beautiful. I mean, whatever it is. Man, I, I mean, you, you just, and you know, you, you, I mean, it, it don't have to be all about the outward, but you just start telling, you, you want to spend time with her? Man, can we go do something? You'd open the door for her? I mean, uh, but, but and think about now, though. Now, all of your wives' dress shoes, on the right shoe, the sole's just about worn off. Because now, she can't hardly get in the car before you're taking off on Sunday morning. To where before, she, she's hardly in the car. Get in the car, woman! We're going to be late! But, that, but you think, if we treated our wives now... If we treated our wives then like we treated our wives now, they, they would have never married us. They would have never married us. But we kept on. And we kept on pursuing. And you say, how in the world did Eric end up with Sarah Sue? He didn't quit. He didn't quit. And finally she said, well, you know what? He's not so bad, I guess. <laughs> and then pretty soon she says, well, you know, actually, he's really nice. And next thing you know, she's like, you know what, I will marry that man. And finally, Melanie did uh, marry me. It took her some convincing. But she finally married me, and she's regretted it ever since. She hadn't, I'll tell you. But the, the, the point I'm just simply trying to make is, what happened? I, our wives, or our to-be wives, responded to that which we were 
putting out, that which we were given. They responded to what we were doing. There was a response there. And you know what? There can still be a response there if we'll sacrifice, if we'll put forth the effort, if we'll swallow our pride and say, you know what? I am going to make sure that she still feels special. If he, you, you look at this. It's amazing. Ephesians 5.31. Notice what the Bible says here quickly. The Bible says, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. You see what happens in that verse? The man leaves his father and mother, and is joined unto his wife, they too shall be one flesh. The man is the one moving. The man is the one taking action, and then the two become one. The man is the one who moves. The man is the one who owns it. The man is the one who takes responsibility. The man is the one who is stepping up and saying, you know what, honey, I'm going to be this kind of man for you. I'm going to be the kind of man that you deserve. Well, not that you deserve, but that you deserve. You say, I thought you said not that you deserve. But what I'm saying, sometimes we can look at that, man, the way you're acting, you don't deserve no, no, you don't deserve me. You got it all wrong. And let me tell you something right now. You, uh, you are going the wrong, wrong way with that. Uh, somebody says, I, I know how I'm going to get my wife to straighten out. I'm going to give her the cold shoulder. You ever tried that one? Oh, or I'm going to put her down. I'm going to put her down. And, and, and that, you know, that, that'll motivate her and she'll get things together and, you know, start trying harder and all that. How's that working for you, buddy? Don't work. Try God's way. Be the sacrificer. Be the sanctifier. Um, think about this. Jesus loves us when we are at our very worst. The Bible teaches the eternal security of the believer. In other words, once you're truly saved by the grace of God, you're saved forever. Jesus will never leave us. Jesus will never forsake us. Think about the comfort we get. One of the things that I do on a regular basis is I try to get in here and remind everybody how much Jesus loves you. Man, I'm telling you, that makes me happy. That makes me want to live for Jesus. That may, it's just such a comfort. Listen, husbands, our wives need to be secure. They need to be secure in our love. They need to know. No, he, he'll never leave me nor forsake me. Never. They need to be eternally secure. I'm not worried about him. No, no. We, husbands, we need to make sure that our wives know that. We need to make sure that our wives know Oh, you're having a bad day? You're having a bad month? Whatever's got, don't matter? Oh, you didn't fix up today? You hadn't fixed up all month? Don't matter. <laughs> People say I say everything, but I didn't say that one. <laughs> Amen, I'm letting that one go. Mostly because it don't apply to my wife, and I wouldn't want nobody to think it did. But you had these things. Husband, how are you going to act then? I'll tell you I'm going to act. I ain't looking at that skank. I ain't complimenting her, you know. Uh, no. <laughs> you love her, man. You walk in and you're just like, honey, man, I tell you, I love you. Look at those eyes. And I'm just telling you, you, you in other words, husbands, as the sanctifying part, as we're treating them right all the time. 
We're treating them every day. We're treating them every day as if they were looking the best they could possibly look. As if they were doing the best they could possibly do. As if they had the best attitudes that they could possibly have. As if they weren't cantankerous and argumentative and whatever else. Don't, we, we're treating them every day. Like there ain't never been a woman like you. Never been a woman like you. That's how Jesus treats us. That's how Jesus treats us. Husbands, we're supposed to treat our wives the same way. Um, and so then lastly, and I appreciate your patience tonight, and I'll give you the last one. We need to be satisfiers of our wives, satisfy our wives. Notice 28 and 29, so ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. Now, men, you may be sitting there thinking, well, I don't love my body very well. Well, yeah, you do. What are you stuffing in that body of yours, you know? I mean, you do. Uh, as your own bodies, he that lo- listen to this, he that loveth his wife loveth himself. In other words, it's saying, fool, you treat your wife wrong and you think this is going to benefit you? If you've got any sense at all, if you want some kind of pay, you need to start treating that woman right. You need to start treating your wife right. Love your wife, because it's saying that he that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but notice this, nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. We sanctify our wives when we give, when we give them what they need. What's going to help fix and help them grow in whatever things they brought into the marriage? Us trying to figure out what does my wife need? What does she need? Um, now, how do we do that? So in order to sanctify our wives, we need to make sure, and we need to take the effort. Here I talk about the comfort zone again, dying. We take the effort to understand their needs. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7 once again. We looked at the second part earlier. I'm going to look at the first part. Dwell with them according to knowledge. Dwell with them according to knowledge. Have you made any effort to find out what your wife's love language is? He said, I don't know what that is. Well, make an effort to find out. I ain't into all that stuff. We need to get into the Word of God stuff, amen? And the Word of God is dwelling with, I, I get her gifts, she ought to know. If she knows that's how I speak love, and she don't get it, that's her problem, not mine. That don't sound like you're dying very much. That don't sound like a lot of sacrifice. You may not get your wife's love language. You know, the love languages, I mean, uh, uh, words of affirmation, physical touch, gifts, quality time. There's a fifth one. Acts of service. True story. True story. I wish that was rehearsed. I really do. Um, acts of service. Hey, anybody in here ever learned to try to speak another language? Uh, I, I know so, probably most of these kids over there took some foreign language. It's a little awkward, isn't it? You're like, you know, uh, say something in Spanish, Evan. Good enough. Uh, it's awkward. You don't have a lot of confidence when you speak another language. It feels weird. Well, guess what? It feels weird to speak somebody else's love language. That's why if, you, if your love language is not, we talked about this earlier, if your love language is not words of affirmation, you, you complimenting somebody sounds like, honey, you look really nice. And it's just like it feels weird and it hurts him. Boy, you're really beautiful today. And it's just, it's just awkward. 
and, and physical touch. Um, you know, again, you, if your love language isn't physical touch, but the person you're married to is, I mean, it might feel weird. And I'm telling you, the, the poor guy or girl that has the love language of physical touch, it almost seems pitiful. They'll take a pat on the head, I'm telling you, man. Uh, it don't take just physical touch. And, and, and don't get the wrong idea with physical touch. I mean, uh, the, the way, you know, even with me, with my kids, I, you know, I, I hit Evan across the head or, uh, you know, uh, uh, hit him or, you know, thump him or something like that. You know what I'm doing? I, I, I'm communicating love. And I'm serious. I'm not like, uh, like hitting him too hard, though he needs it. But, I, but mine's love, my love language is physical touch and, and uh, words of affirmation. Hers is acts of service. Don't get it. All right? Because, of, again, remember, we're talking about another language. You ever try to communicate with somebody? This is funny, too. You start learning Spanish, and you think you're doing pretty good at it because you're doing good in your class. Then you go try to go to the Mexican restaurant and be like, hey, I'm going to order in Spanish. And all of a sudden, they start talking, da 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 da, da and you're like, yep, just lost me. I'm done. Okay? Uh, anybody done that? Okay, I'm done. It's weird. It's, it's, so when you're trying to speak, I don't get the acts of service thing. I don't get how that, because I'll tell my wife words since I'm a word. I can tell her all day long how beautiful she is, blah, 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 on down the road. Uh, but you know what's really going to do it for her? Barb, do them dishes, buddy. Man, look at him vacuum, but she better not watch me vacuum because I'm not doing it right. But if she knows I vacuumed, uh, at least, uh, you know, that's so acts of service. Uh, I don't get it, but I know that's her love language. So I make an effort there. I'm not the best at it. I am not the golden boy up here trying to tell you, do it like this, okay? I'm saying do it like this. And I'm just telling you the way God says to do it, and I'm trying to do it this way. It's hard. What's her love language? What's her temperament? Does she like to talk? Your wife like to talk? She like to talk right when you get home from work? She like to talk right when somebody's about to try to hit the game-winning shot or bases are loaded in the ninth inning? Your wife like to talk? Men, listen. And don't listen like this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Look her in the eyeballs and listen. And you want to know the hardest? I don't know if you think it's hard to listen, men, but I'll tell you what, if your wife likes to talk, number one, listen. Number two, don't be sitting there with your little pad and pencil saying, okay, I've got the solutions to your problems right here. Your wife ain't looking for answers. She's not looking for solutions. She just wants to talk. She ain't looking for Mr. Fix-It. She's just wanting to tell you what's going on. It reminds me of the story, I mean, and, I, and uh, Richard and Sonia were at this event. I don't know if they were in this particular uh, session or not on the uh, uh, Marriage to Remember, Cruise to Remember thing they were on, but, but I heard this on the radio, the recording of it, and it was a dude that, uh, that his wife was complaining because they had young kids and all day with the kids and and then trying to clean up after the kids after she got them to bed, and, and she was just so exhausted, and he said, honey, I got something for you. And it was a nice little card, and she thought, boy, this is, isn't this going to be something sweet? And boy, Eric, he was so considerate. He, he made a schedule out for her. Here's all you, just get up a little earlier in the morning, and then you can do the laundry then, 
At this time, you can feed the kids. At this time, you can be sure to, you know, uh, uh, get, get supper ready for me. Had the schedule out. Good idea, right? But I'm telling you, your wife is not looking for solutions. She's not trying to get you to help her. Literally. I, and man, that was such a, I couldn't believe it, man. I couldn't believe it when my wife, thank God my wife spoke up, and we actually, we read a book about this stuff, trying knowledge, working on things, but, uh, but, but, but I remember uh, Melanie one time just, she just told me, she said, Jesse, she said, can you just every once in a while just tell me, man, that sucks? And I'm like, what's that going to fix? That's how I felt. And so she's talking to me, and she's telling me about this and that and the other thing, and I'm like, oh, I, I know exactly what you need to do. But then instead of saying that, she gets down to the end, and I just say, man, that sucks. And it worked. I don't understand it. What's her temperament? Does she like to talk? Um, show interest, amen. I, hey, hey maybe, maybe your wife's quiet. Listen to this one now, fellas because this would fall a little bit more into ours, perhaps. Maybe your wife's quiet. Maybe she don't like to talk all the time. Maybe she, maybe she wants some period. If she's that way, listen. Don't be all trying to talk all the time then. And please, take my advice on this. Don't be, don't be saying constantly, Honey, everything all right? Honey, is, there, is it me? Is it me? Is it me, Honey? That goes back to what I said earlier. Nah, man. Just be like, honey, I'm here for you. Love you. I'm going to go watch the game, all right? Uh, in other words, that's what I was talking about earlier, dying to some of our insecurities. Honey, I did something wrong. Did no, I'm just having a bad day. All right? Uh, but just don't be that guy. Good grief. I've got to quit, man. This, I've, I've had fun. You probably hadn't, but I, I've had a little bit of fun tonight. Uh, we, have to, we have to understand her needs in order to meet her needs. Uh, I'll give this to you quickly. She, nourisheth. That means to feed in order to mature. Nourisheth. Cherisheth. That means uh, like a bird sitting on an egg. I get mental pictures. Uh, it had to do with comfort. And meeting the need of somebody else. Listen, a bird sits on an egg with some kind of anticipation. Um, nourishing, cherishing, dwelling with your wife according to knowledge. Make sure your wife's at home. Men, own the responsibility. Take time to get it. Understand and address it. Men, we need to be the ones who set the temperature in our homes. We need to make sure that we always are constantly faithfully loving our wives according to knowledge um and man i wish i could say more like this some men think they've married the wrong woman but if you'll start treating her like the right woman you might find out that she's the right woman because every one of us have issues and and listen there's responsibilities toward the wife don't get me wrong but men he tells us specifically we're to love christ like he loved the church we're to sacrifice we're to be sanctifying we're to be satisfying nourishing cherishing and I'm going to close with this illustration I thought was really good. In some cultures, even today, and in some ancient cultures especially, when, when a man would come to uh, ask for a girl's hand in marriage, he would have to bring a dowry. 
He'd have to bring some sort of almost like a form of payment saying, this, this still happens today. A dowry. I want Nate to hear this part. A dowry. You got to give me something, man, for that girl. Um, but here's the thing. There, there was a man in one of these cultures that had two daughters. One of these daughters was a knockout man. She was just, just a lovely girl. The other one, not so much. Well, there was a wealthy uh, man that came to ask for this man's daughter's hand in marriage. He come and said, I'll give five cows for your daughter. And he's like, that's generous, but for that daughter, you might have to give me 10 cows. But he's like, you know what? Fine, I'll give you 10 cows, a large sum for that daughter. He shows up and the, and, and the man says, okay, here's my daughter's. And that man said, okay, I want that one. And it was the one that, not so much. Now, the dad couldn't believe it. The good-looking one couldn't believe it. The not-so-good-looking one sure couldn't believe it. But that's the one he wanted. They got married. They left. They moved away. They were gone about a year. Year later, the family got back together, and as soon as they saw that daughter that was maybe a little bit more on the homely side, they saw her, and they couldn't believe it. There was just something about her. Man, she had a glow in her eyes and her face, and she was beautiful. She just radiated. And her dad just couldn't hardly believe it, and he said, Honey, he said, you're gorgeous. He said, what happened? And the daughter said, she said, well, when I saw that he put that much value on me, when I saw he valued me up to 10 cows, I said to myself, I need to be a 10-cow woman. I need to be a 10-cow woman. And so she started striving, and she says, if he values me that much, I'm going to be a 10-cow woman. So husbands, what, this, this is really the message. I should have just gave you this story and ended it. You need to bring some more cows, buddy. All right? In other words, you need to value your wife more. You need to say, honey, you're worth 10 cows. You're a 10-cow woman. <laughs> The dad would have took a goat for her. But that man said she's worth 10 cows. And what I'm telling you today is, man, invest. Value your wife. You want to know something that I, that I believe? You, know what, you want to know what, what, what the standard for beauty is? The standard for beauty, a standard for a woman's beauty, is sitting right there. That's it. That's the standard. Not some garbage out of Hollywood or social media or something like that. That's it. She is the standard. That's what the standard of beauty is. That's what a standard of a woman is right there. Because that's right. Because I, I value her that much because that's what she is. That's who she is. And I'm to love her the way Jesus loves us. And we're supposed to love our wives' husbands as Christ loved the church. 
So, let's all stand. I don't know how to 